On uh, December 26, 1993, one of my, my brothers made a mistake while driving, and he failed to stop at a stop sign. So in case you're thinking, I'm this mean brother that's talking about my other one of my brothers, I do have two brothers. I don't think, I think very few know my brothers, and I did talk to this one, and I received the blessing to, uh, to share this little short story. And he ran the stop sign, or failed to stop, and there happened to be a, a police officer close by and pulled out after my, my brother, most likely to speak to him about this violation. And at this point, my brother made his second mistake. He took the advice of those that were with him in the vehicle, and their advice was run. And obviously, he agreed with their, uh, with their advice, and he tried to elude this officer. And their plan did not end well after traveling through uh, three townships, if I remember the story correctly. He was cornered in some cul-de-sac and ordered out of the vehicle uh, at gunpoint and taken to the police station. And this is back in 93. This was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was one evening. I happened to be uh, at Mary's house. We were having a date. We were prior to our marriage. And I, I got a phone call. You need to go to the police station and sign for this young man to get him to release him. Obviously, I was over 21, and so I went up there and, uh, and took care of that, and a life went on. Later, after my brother realized who the police officer was that tried to pull him over, he was informed that had he pulled over when he was supposed to, uh, most likely he would have received a warning and left go, because people knew their officers back in the day. I forget the officer's name, but uh, that's what he was, had been told. And how many times are we like this? Running. Now, hopefully, never while behind the wheel. But maybe guilty in another area. And instead of stopping and owning up to the wrong, we run. And we try to elude those who, who know about the incident. Just avoid those and, and keep running. Or we attempt to, to cover up the mistake. When or if this happens, the individual who is, has done this spends their time living in guilt, in misery, or possibly even in agony until they take care of it with a simple action called repentance. This morning the message title is A Picture of True Repentance. A little bit more back on, on the end of the little story, my brother lost his driving privileges for 11 months because he thought that running was his best option. And later he informed me that some of that was due to the number of points he had in his license prior to this violation. But running away from sin is never a good option. A picture of true repentance with three points this morning. The picture, the prayer, and the promise. And you can turn to Luke chapter 23 for our, our text this morning. Point one is the picture. And here we have the account in Luke. And this account that we're going to look at this morning, uh, if I remember correctly, I mentioned I might share on this sometime one of my, I have a lot of favorite Bible accounts. This is one of them. 
Um, it begins with repentance, and then it concludes with a wonderful promise straight from the lips of our suffering Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Verse 30, uh, 32, 33, we see here the scene is at Calvary. Uh, verse 33, they were come to a place which is called Calvary. Matthew states in his gospel, the place is called Golgotha, a place of a skull. And let's read verse 32 to 38 for a little background of what's going on here. Matthew 23, 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And they, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactor, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offering him vinegar. And saying, If thou be the, the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. So stop there just for a moment. What we have is three crosses on this hill where three men were being crucified. And the picture is the Son of God dying between two sons of men. Or a lamb dying between two wolves. The innocent dying, uh, dying for the guilty. The sinless for the sinful and the clean for the unclean. So three men. One was dying in sin. One was dying to sin. And the man on the middle cross, the sinless one, was dying for sin. The sin and sins for all, of all humanity. And that brings us to verse 39. where we want to, the, the verse we're going to look at the closely this morning are verses 39 through 43. Verse 39, let's read that. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. So malefactor is a wrongdoer. It's a criminal or an evildoer. And Matthew and Mark, their account, they call these two men thieves. John said uh, where they crucified him and the two other with him. That's how he describes it. One on either side of on either side, and Jesus in the midst. So what we have here is Jesus being crucified between two criminals. And this one railed on him. What did he do? This criminal was blaspheming the Lord, railing his insulting language to hurl abuse. And what we see here in verse 39 is a picture of hardness at the time of death. And his insult was a direct challenge to the, to the power of Christ, questioning who he was, and suggests that he forfeit the reason for the cross and come up and, and to deliver all three. He used that word, if. If you be the Christ. If. And this thief here was demanding some proof. As in the verses that I read prior to verse 39, we see that both thieves heard the crowd mocking Jesus about being the Messiah. So picture these thieves hanging there, guilty before God, at a time when they should have been searching to see if there was a possibility that Jesus could have been who he claimed he was. They should have been thinking, you know, is this truly the Messiah? Instead, we see what this one did. When they were both hanging there, they both were in need of salvation and forgiveness. However, one clearly showed hardness of heart, and he mocked the very thought 
of Jesus being the Messiah. Luke does not record that Jesus said a word to this man. However, both Matthew and Mark tell us that in their account, it says that both thieves hurled abuse at Jesus. And here Luke is telling us that the one did. But both of these men, all three, were in their last minutes of their lives. And we're blessed with what Luke has to say in his gospel. Let's read verses 40 and 41. In verse 39, we saw what the one thief had to say. How about the other one? Verse 40 and 41. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive due reward for our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. So somewhere between verse 39 and 40, one thief grew quiet and started doing some serious thinking. He rebuked the unrepentant thief, which in reality demonstrated steps towards uh, salvation and true repentance. He also, as we see there, he admitted his own guilt. He even acknowledged that he deserved the punishment that he was receiving. He knew full well that death was due payment for his deeds, and he also recognized that he was not worthy of salvation. And then we think about our theme here for, for repentance, and being willing to acknowledge our sin is always the first step towards a true repentant heart. Being willing to acknowledge our sin. Repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling sorrow or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied to a commitment and change for the better. Feeling sorry for our past actions, asking for forgiveness, making restitution where needed, and includes a U-turn in life from headed this direction to headed a new direction, forsaking our sinful actions and beginning a new journey with Christ. But there's options. My brother decided to run, and he learned the hard way. Had he quickly acknowledged his mistake, things would have turned out quite differently. And this thief here was running for a while and now realized he needs to turn around. What we see here is a change of heart taking place in this repentant thief's life. And God can work with soft and pliable hearts. This repentant thief, he confessed the innocent of, innocence of Jesus and the injustice of Jesus hanging there suffering with them. And I tried to put myself there for a while there at Calvary, and it's like I think this thief would begin to see something about Jesus that was different from what he was used to, be, used to seeing. I think by this time, by the time we get here to verse 41, he saw how Jesus reacted to, to the suffering and to verbal abuse which he had received, rejection and reproach. The thief was there hanging beside him when he heard Jesus pray and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There he was hanging in agony and said, Lord, just forgive these men who crucified me. Back to this thief, I think we see a picture of true repentance and also a picture of the Holy Spirit working in the heart of this man. And somewhere around this time, the man finally began to realize who was hanging on the middle cross. Again, he reminded the other, the other thief, you know, this is not a time to be engaged in blaspheming. 
These men were in a situation where it was time to start thinking seriously about their relationship with God. He said, don't you fear God? I think this man was afraid of falling unprepared into the hands of the living God. Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And maybe this thief was realizing what was coming. The unrepentant thief decided, as we see there in verse 39, to be cruel and evil until the very end, a sign of a hard heart. So what are we living for today? What are our goals? Is it not to, to know him, to know Jesus Christ, and to make him known? Is that why we're here? Sure, we all have, have goals, and possibly many of you, I did not, but possibly many of you made some New Year's resolutions, which is fine, and that's a goal you have for the year. But ultimately, above all else, I trust that we have within us a desire to be faithful to our master. And I hope you accomplish your goals for the year. Uh, go for it. That's all good. But I trust you have a higher goal, and that is just to, to know Christ and to make him known, to be faithful and obedient to him, and to be, give him our all. Question, are we living in light of eternity? And maybe so often the future gets a little muffled as we try to look, look past our current situation but are we living in light of eternity? Ask yourself the question and get, get real serious about it. You know what? You know, you, maybe you have plans for this afternoon or tomorrow, next week, and we all do. But today is a day of opportunity. Today. Today we are, given, we are to live in the light that we have been given. And think about it for a moment. Are we living every day as if, if it were our last? One second after my heart stops beating, what is the only thing that's going to matter? Did I meet my, my goals? No. What is God going to say about my life? That's all that's going to matter. Was I faithful to the end? Did I fulfill his will with my life? And maybe we justify our busy schedules by saying, well, idleness is the devil's workshop. True it is. And, but we need to maintain a balance with our schedule. But in light of it all, put this all aside, are we focused on eternity. What are, we, what are we living for? For example, the unrepentant thief here thought no further than his current circumstances. Lord, just save us. Get us out of here. He was living today with no care for tomorrow. And back to my, my brother. He didn't think about the consequences for his actions. The first thing on his mind was to run, and he paid dearly for it later. But with a, with a mocking tone, this, this unrepentant thief said, he told Jesus to save him. Save thyself and us. But the word save, as used here in, uh, in verse 39, was just, he saved meant, help, me, help get me out of this current situation. Get me free from this punishment so I can continue running. And even while hanging there on the cross, with death staring him directly in the face, he never stopped to think about where he would be in a few minutes and on for eternity. On the other hand, the other repentant thief started thinking, and made some wise choices. He was nailed to the cross, or tied fast, however you want to look at that. He was tired of running and hiding. And now, with no option, he had some time to think. In his first thoughts, he quickly rebuked his friend. 
said, this isn't a time for this young man. His second thoughts were about his own sin. And here, I believe he repented. He knew he was wrong. He said, I am receiving a just punishment for my sin. Next, he proclaimed Jesus as righteous and innocent. He said, this man has done nothing wrong. The man on the middle cross is an innocent man, guiltless and perfect. And then, jump ahead really quickly into verse uh, 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord. And we're going to stop there just for, just for a little bit. He called the man on the middle cross, Lord. And I find this account exciting, but also am aware that Luke didn't explain everything in clear detail. You just think about everything that was taking place here. This man became a child of God while hanging there on the cross. Yes, he was in the last minutes of his life. But what did Jesus say? I'm not sure if Jesus could look left or right or if this man was on the left or on the right. I'm not sure if he could look at him. But what did Jesus see if he could look at this thief? Did Jesus look and see his sin? Did Jesus look and see his past deeds? Did Jesus look and see the actions? Or did he look at his heart? What happens when we repent, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses our sin and washes it away. Does Jesus see us? Yes. Does he see our past sins? No. If we have repented, might I add. But he knows our heart condition. And I believe that Jesus looked at this young man and he realized his heart condition. He knew where he was. And it's also so beautiful just to look at that. And this thief there just looked over and called Jesus Lord and Master. And it's kind of hard to explain how it all happened. But notice the events that followed repentance. When we think about where this man was and his deeds and actions that took him to the cross, and look at the change that is taking place. How many minutes has passed? We're not told, but just think of the change that took place. Luke doesn't record up to this point that Jesus said a word to this man. But as this young man observed Jesus, and he saw Jesus' response to the suffering he was enduring, he recognized the Lord. And with death staring this man straight in the face, the thief was aware that he was being crucified beside Jesus. The second point is the prayer, and that's the remainder of verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, and here was the prayer, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Again, just take back to where you were, to Calvary there, and the, the events that took this, this young thief to the cross, and then he said this. What this does, this prayer indicates a faith in Jesus as the Christ. This indicates a faith that overcomes the cross, a faith that sees Jesus as a victor over death and in his kingdom. And just think about the words he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now, Jesus was about to die, but this man was aware that Jesus was headed for the kingdom. Did he know that Jesus was going to arise again in three days? I do believe his knowledge of the, of the gospel was a little bit incomplete. And we know he was a criminal, but at some point in his life, he must have heard the gospel and noticed the difference that it made for him today. What we see is a great faith which could discover a Christ, a Savior, under such 
poor scorn and despise. They crucified Jesus here. And then that faith called him Lord. Which when Jesus was he's hung there struggling for his life, no deliverer was near. Yet this man saw reason to cast himself upon Jesus for his everlasting condition and pray to him, Lord, remember me. Imagine the faith that this man had and the change that took place from the time that they set that cross up until verse 42. Lord, remember me when thou, comes, when thou comest into thy kingdom. He had a faith that could see Christ's kingdom through the cross, through the grave, and through death. And where there was no sign of a kingdom and prayed to be remembered yet in that kingdom. The faith of this young man. And it's not likely that he had any understanding of the spiritual kingdom. But somehow he arrived at the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah and would come into his kingdom despite his crucifixion. Different times in the gospel we find that Jesus said someone, told someone, thy faith has saved thee, or thy faith has made thee whole. And he did not say that to this thief, but I think it's important that we take note of the faith that this man had. Are there times when we're witnessing we feel no one's listening? Or... Maybe they're just standing over in the shadows mocking. And maybe this thief here was one of them, but now, possibly years later, think about the difference it made for eternity. So today, let's be diligent in sharing the truth about our Lord and our Master. And that brings us to a third point, and that is the promise. And Jesus said unto him, verse 43, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What a beautiful answer to the prayer this, of verse 42. Lord, just remember me. He said, today you will be with me in a paradise. In Mark, the account of Mark, Jesus was accused of blasphemy when he told a man that was sick of palsy, arise, take up your bed and walk. He said, sons, thy sins be forgiven thee. I'm sorry. And later he said, uh, which is easier to say to sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, arise, take up thy bed and walk. And he was accused and but Jesus said, do you know why I did that? He said here, he said, because in Mark 2, he said, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And that was Jesus, with power to forgive. And here he answered this repentant thief with authority and assurance, verily or truly, today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. A promise I trust that we all want to hear from our Master. A promise that every truly repentant heart will hear. Welcome home, that good and faithful servant. Verse 43, a lot of things happened. Jesus gave this man instant salvation and a promise of being in heaven with him that day. This account of the dying thief uh, illustrates deathbed conversions are possible for all who turn to Christ in faith. But we need to ask some questions here. Why wait and why delay? I believe that Jesus expects us to receive him in our younger years. That way we can live for him and obey him as we mature in the faith. But if those who have waited, if you have waited, these words here in Jesus should, of Jesus should bring us encouragement as we may feel, and even those who feel that they have gone too deeply into sin, we read these words, words and we realize that we can turn to Christ in faith. I, in studies that come across some quotes, it's, it is dangerous to wait until the 11th hour of life to turn to Christ. And the, the quote said, 
Most people who wait for the 11th hour die at 10.30 and never get right with God. And I trust that's not where we are at, but if you are, these words, this verse here can bring some encouragement. But back to the question, the question, why wait? Why miss out on the life of assurance and forgiveness through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ? Why not accept Christ and experience God's best for us here in this life and that we receive the eternal home in heaven in the world to come? And there's just amazing beauty and comfort in the answer that Jesus gave this repentant man there on the cross. And even though it happened many years ago, the truth remains unto this day that all sinners who cast themselves into the arms of Jesus Christ can look forward to an eternal home with him in heaven. But we got to give our all. So much comes back to choices. Where are we at? And some may continue running and miss the beauty of heaven, but those who repent and call upon Jesus will receive a blessing as completely out of this world. And there's coming a day when every child of God, every child of God is going to receive that crown and be able to walk around up there in glory land. Will you be in that number? Christ may come back for his children today, or he may wait until tomorrow. But the question is, are we living in light of eternity? There's something else I would like to bring to our attention here. A few verses in Matthew, but I'll just summarize the story, how he talked about the return of Christ. And it says, two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding in the mill, the one taken, the other left. Watch therefore, you know not what hour your Lord doth come. The point I want to get from that as two are together, one was taken, and the other left. Now back to the account in Luke. What we have is two men. Yes, Jesus is third, but I'm talking about the thieves here. We have two men. They're, they're both on the cross. They're both guilty of the same crime. They're both receiving a just punishment for their deeds. They were both at the same location. I say many, maybe 12 feet apart, if you figure they're space these crosses at six feet and they're both being crucified beside Jesus they both have a heart but they have different hearts one was soft the other was hard in the account we looked at they both were talking one was talking earthly things one heavenly they both were headed for eternity one to glory the other What's the difference? They both had a choice. One was wise, one was foolish. The one repented, the other is not recorded. One focused on his current circumstances, while the other took time to think about eternity. Where will you be in 100 years from now? Don't wait until, the, uh, until the, the 11th hour because of the blessings you're going to miss out on. Some people, you might talk to some people and you say, well, the Christian is missing out on so many enjoyable things in life. You guys are just, are just missing out. And the truth is, we are missing out. We're missing out on the heartaches of living our life in sin. We're just missing out that heartache. We're missing out of the sorrow of facing this world without Christ. Yeah, we're missing out on a lot. But the blessings way outweigh. But we have no regrets for what we're missing out on because we know and we're assured that 
The truth is that every day that we live, we thank God for what we have missed out upon. Where are you at in your life this morning? Is your focus more like, are you, foc- are you more like, which thief are you like? If you're, let's just say, which of these two men are you like? Focused on, circum- on current circumstances. Or you have your, let your mind go into thoughts and thinking about eternity. Have you repented of all your past sins? Repentance is the key for what Jesus told this young man. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Are you living in light of eternity? Two men, two hearts, according to, I don't want to judge the second, the second man, but according to what, what we, the count that we have, we, we most likely know where he's spending eternity. But where are we at? Are we living today in light of eternity? Our focus, our goals, why are we here? Think about it. And I trust this morning we all are living with a truly repentant heart. We know that everyone has been born, born in sin, and we need to repent so we can face God with a pure heart. And I trust that where we, that's where we are at here this morning. But I do come back to the question, are all your sins under the blood? This morning we're going to have, we're gonna have a, an order call. If you're here this morning and you're repentant, you're sorry for your past, and you want to... Ask Christ to forgive you. I'm going to invite you forward. If you're here this morning and you never gave your heart to the Lord, that opportunity is open as well. If you're here this morning and you fell away and Jesus was speaking to you and say, brother or sister, sum it up. If you're here this morning and you're not ready to die at 11 o'clock, this is your time. If the Lord's just speaking to you, there's plenty of people here who would like to take you downstairs and pray with you. Just come up front, and we'll have, they'll take you downstairs for prayer. We're going to have a word of prayer, then we'll look to, uh, for an invitation hymn. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. We just say thank you, God Almighty, for what rep- the difference that repentance can mean to a, sinner, to a sinner's heart. Lord, we see this account here in Luke, how this thief went to the cross, and he left the cross, the child of God. And Lord, maybe someone here this morning came into the doors this morning as a sinner, and I trust, Lord, that they can leave as a child of God. Lord, I just pray that you would work and move among us here this morning. Help us not to continue running if we have been, but just to be willing to, you know, I, I, I made a mistake, and just come to, to Christ. The difference that it makes today will make a difference in eternity. Lord, maybe stop running. Stop trying to elude those who know the situation. Stop trying to cover up, but Lord, just to come clean. And I pray, Lord, you just work in our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Lord, uh,